You're listening to the Tamar Yona Show here at IsraelNewsTalkRadio.com, and we are live if you are listening on Sunday afternoon between 4 to 5 p.m. here in the Holy Land of Israel, or if it's between 9 to 10 a.m. U.S. Eastern Time on Sunday morning, that's that means that you are listening to the show live and you can call in and join us on the air with a comment or a question on the topics that we're speaking about. Our numbers are on the top of our homepage at IsraelNewsTalkRadio.com. At the very top of the page, you're going to see our phone numbers there and you can call in again on the topics that we're discussing. And what topics are those going to be? Here's the read-off. We are on day 86 of the war with the Hamas-ISIS in Gaza. And we are going to be speaking about, one, the power of fury continues. Also, is this Cold War II or World War III? Hmm. Also, who determines dumbed down in America? Also, Iran's children. We're going to be discussing that. And can Europe survive itself? I want to let you in on something. I have no idea what we're going to be discussing when it comes to these topics, but my co-host, Dr. Mordechai Ben-Menachem, does. And he is a researcher, former lecturer at Ben-Gurion University. He has authored over 90 books and 400 research papers on science, history, and more. And he comments on Mideast and world issues. I want to welcome to the show Dr. Mordechai Ben-Menachem. Thank you. How are you? I am doing well. I'm doing very, very well. Still, you know, trepidation because I still have, you know, a son fighting in the depths of Gaza. And uh, he was able to give me a couple of minute phone call the other day. But you hear in the background the gunfighting going on. And they have to, it's, it's, you know, first of all, they don't have phones, but somehow they get to a phone and they have to make sure that they're in a, a closed room or dark place so the light of the screen of the phone is not seen by the enemy because then they'll know exactly where to aim their guns or RPGs. And they have to talk very quietly, etc. cetera. But uh, yeah, that's the, that's the case. But he's alive and I keep praying that he will remain that way, healthy and well, that he can come home to us and get married and, and live a good life here in the land of Israel. And you, what about you, Dr. Mordechai Ben-Menachem? Uh, I'm okay. I'm kind of, uh, uh, as you know, I've just recently moved my flat, and the new flat is not really organized yet as I would like it to be, but it's getting there slowly, slowly. Yes, well, good. <laughs> it's a new adventure for you. <laughs> <laughs> Life it's is full of adventures. It's a little bit more than I expected, but, I, I, you know, you know the old adage, not getting any younger. Yeah. So I want everybody to understand that, you know, life goes on in Israel as we have children or loved ones in uh, the in the midst of the battle. Uh, life goes on, although there's limping somewhere in the Israeli economy. I have one son also, you know, as if you've been listening to my show, you know, that I have two sons that are fighting in Gaza. But one of them, their unit was let off for a uh, 
a small specified number of days because these are reservists and they have businesses and they have uh, families maybe and they have to get back. I mean, a lot of our businesses are limping along because the the business owner isn't there or the workers aren't there. And uh, so they they let them out in order to take care of some business, uh, whatever personal things they have to take care of. And... And uh, so that's what's happening here. So, so where would you like to start on this 86th actually, with, day of the war? Actually, with exactly with what you just said. Uh, I wanted to say that several international credit agencies have warned, quote-unquote, that the war is slated to shrink Israel's economy by 2%. 2%? A major war with tens of percent of our people called up into reserve duty and we're shrinking by 2%? Hmm. That's probably, as far as I'm aware, that is uh, uh, unprecedented in economic history. No country has ever fought a a major war and only a 2% economic downturn. You know, I I always say that there's an umbrella of love and protection by God over Israel and the Jewish people because... I mean, we're having terrible losses, but when you think about what we're facing and you think about all of the bombs and missiles and rockets they've shot on us and the, the, the death toll is should have, in my eyes, it should have been much, much higher than it is. And, and it's, it's, to me, miraculous that, that there aren't more, God forbid, hurt well, or Well, actually, killed. you mentioned that, that the, 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 the Hamas so far since, since the 7th of October has shot a little more than 13,000 rockets at Israel. Now, um, more than 10%, something between 12 and 15% of those fall on the Palestinians. And, of course, the uh, unmen of the uh, uh, disunited nations continue to blame us for that. But um, uh, um, uh, of those so-called 20 or 22,000 um, uh, Gazans that have lost their lives in this tragic war, um, at, at least 15 to 20% lost their lives to Hamas directly. They yeah, killed by Hamas. that's very good that you are that you are pointing that out. That Hamas has killed many of its own, either with uh, rockets that fell short and hit their own population, or or also just as an example. I mean, there are many examples, but just as an example, when we called for people to go south, Hamas right. was shooting those that they could that they could capture. That's what they, I that's what I wanted you to share. People that were that were moving out of the way. Yeah. They are shooting their own people. Uh, they don't want them to flee. They want to have a higher body count so they can cry to the world. And also they're shooting their own people because their people are hungry and the Hamas is stealing all the food. Well, you shouldn't say all. They're okay. only stealing about 80%. Okay, 80% of the food. I stand corrected. <laughs> all right. Okay, so this is where we see ourselves. The power of fury continues. Okay, I'm, <clears throat> I'm going to continue on for a moment with the, with the uh, economic aspect, but, uh, but I'll, I'll continue on other aspects in a moment. Um, Intel Corporation, last week, in the middle of the war, Intel Corporation, and I should remind people that Intel Israel is larger than Intel United States in terms of the, the, the numbers of, 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 of employees, has just announced an additional investment of $25 billion into the Israeli economy. The, the Israel's largest ever foreign investment. In addition to that $25 billion, Intel has also contracted to spend about 
16 and a half billion locally, um, six and a half billion dollars locally on, 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 on local purchases. So that is a, 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 an enormous investment in, by Intel. I'd sort of like to uh, see all these campus creeps try to boycott Intel or IBM, Motorola, NVIDIA, hundreds more, uh, the, the entire United States computer and electronics industry, but also General Motors, Ford, Lockheed, um, and the, there are over 520 American corporations that have R&D in Israel and more. Not just R&D, but R&D and, and more. Intel, of course, has a major manufacturing plant here as well. But this goes on and on and on. Um, Nestle, for instance, which is not an American company, but a Swiss company, uh, a few years ago bought a, a local company, Osim, so they could sell Bumba around the world. Bumba is this uh, children's snack food made from peanuts. I never liked, but that's okay. But children love it. Right? And it melts in the, the mouth of their babies. And by the way, this is one reason why there's not a lot of peanut allergies in Israel, they say. Correct. Because Correct. they start eating Very this as a kid. Interesting. But uh, as I say, you know, that uh, uh, <coughs> Israel is an R&D capital. Is an R&D powerhouse around the world, way, way over its size. And um, uh, uh, um, it's very interesting because that all that affects the that, that economic aspect that I mentioned, that, that 2% is just an amazing number for, for a war of this magnitude. Remember, we have over 300,000 basically employed persons who are called up for reserve duty. That's a very large percentage of the total um, uh, 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 population, working population of the country. But let's go on a different aspect of that as well. Um, there's a, there's a. Pardon me for the um, 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 disgust that I that I ex expressed, but um, uh, uh, there's a disgusting rag, in my personal opinion, called that calls itself has the effrontery to call itself the New York Times. It's become two and a half months. This past week, they reported, reported, double quotation marks, what every retarded jerk knew on the 8th of October, that Hamas weaponized brutalization of women as a so-called war tactic. Quoting from the New York Times article, a direct quote, quote, a two-month investigation by the Times uncovered painful new details, new to everybody in the world except them, right? And painful new details establishing that the attacks against women were not isolated events, but part of a broader pattern of gender-based violence on October 7th. The Times viewed photographs of one woman's corpse that, that emergency responders discovered in the rubble of a besieged kibbutz with dozens of nails driven into her thighs and groin. Oh, my gosh. The Times also viewed a video showing two dead Israeli soldiers at a base near Gaza who appeared to have been shot directly in their vaginas. Unquote. Okay, I, we have to put a warning on this show. <laughs> I, I don't know what appeared means, but I mean, I'm, these people, these people that call themselves journalists for this imitation newspaper calling itself the New York Times are unbelievably ridiculous. It took them two and a half months to figure out what everybody in the world knows. Yeah, so why I, I, is this garbage journal still allowed to print? I have no idea. Well, well, let's give it some perspective. Governments okay? lie to their people, too, but go ahead. Yeah, let's give it some perspective. Poland in the 1930 housed some 3 million Jews out of a total population of about 9.5 million Poles. 
Poland had a non-aggression pact with Hitler from 1934, and Hitler canceled it in 1939. Germany invaded on the 1st of September 1939 with one and a half million German soldiers. On the 2nd of September, the following day, Britain had declared war on Germany for invading Poland, and also British, British troops fired their first shots of the war. They murdered two Jews on the, on, the, on the beach of Tel Aviv. And they were murdered just because they're Jewish. And of course, these, the murderers were never um, punished in any way. Brought to justice. On the 17th of September, Russia invaded Poland from the other side. Everyone knows about the, uh, the pact between uh, 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 Germany and the Soviet Union. And on the 6th of October, the last Polish sur- soldier surrendered. About 2.8 million Jews died, about 200,000 survived, 136,000 of whom survived because they had fled to Russia. And anything concerning the Holocaust, we always have to uh, give a call out and a nod to Russia or Soviet Union at the time, because they were very, very, very good to us in that sense. So when Netanyahu says this is the only country we have, he knows that what this means, as do we all. So when we tell people in other countries that we are fighting for an existential, um, uh, uh, an existential war, as uh, the, the, the well-known Holocaust author, Elie Wiesel, always said, when somebody sells, says that they want to kill you, kill you believe them. Mm-hmm. So the power of fury continues and will continue until we accomplish our goals. And those goals, of course, include um, uh, 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 getting back all of our uh, kidnapped uh, babies and elderly women and et cetera, et cetera. Everyone, <laughs> all of the kidnapped. Of course. Yeah. And uh, which, which, by the way, I want to remind our listeners that the Red Cross has not gone to visit. And we know nothing about their situation. We know we don't know if they're alive. If they're alive, we don't know if they are having their. Some of them are on medications, need medications. We don't. We do not know the status of our loved ones there. I, I protest your phrasing. Has not. They, it's not that they did not. They flatly refused. They were demanded of it of them, and they flatly refused. As they did during the Holocaust, by the way, they also refused to have anything to do with the Jewish so-called prisoners in the concentration camps. So the, the Red Cross is consistently, as it has always been, a virulently anti-Semitic organization. Okay, yes. Well, we are unfortunately well aware of the anti-Semitism throughout our history. You know, the Jews have one country, one land, and the world can't even live with that. But there's how many... Uh, Muslim and Arab uh, Arab states in the world? 22? Well, well, you have to between not Muslim and Arab. There's two different categories. Arab, there are 22 countries. Muslims, there are 54. Okay. I'm sorry, 57. All right. But the Jews can't have one. Which God gave us, which God made miracles, took us out of Egypt when we were slaves there, made all of these miracles in order to bring us there. But, but that's exactly the point. That's why they have problems with it, because they know that God gave it to us. And 
you know these 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 these, these things like um, the the uh, uh, I don't want to mention names. It's probably impolite and I'm already impolite, but okay. Um, but all of these anti-Semites, the point is that they're fighting God. They're not fighting us. Yeah. So take it up with God. They're, they're marching in the, in the streets, but take it up with God if you don't like it. And in the meantime, we are going to defend ourselves, and we are going, and we, we're not going to, to tolerate any evil like this. And if you're not on the side of the Jewish people, if you're not on the side of Israel, there's something wrong, there's something fundamentally wrong with your value system. There's something fundamentally wrong with your belief system. And you join the, the you join people like the Nazis. That was their ideology that the Jews are subhuman. The Jews don't deserve not only their own homeland, but they don't deserve to live. And that's what you would you would be basically on that side. You should really reexamine your values if you don't if you're not supporting this war of good against evil. Okay. You know what? Let me just give a shout out to all the people who are listening in from all over the world. Okay. We have uh, listening in from all over the United States of America. Hello, everybody. From all over Israel, of course. The United Kingdom, Australia, Nigeria, Brazil, Canada, Germany, Argentina, South Africa, Spain, the Bahamas, Lithuania. Uh, did I say Brazil also? Australia, uh, all over. I, this is so many beautiful, beautiful uh, countries. And we don't know who you are, but we can see what country, what countries are listening in. So it's well, you're, you're all uh, uh, very much invited and welcome to listen in. And please share our station with other people. Not everybody knows that we exist. Tell them about IsraelNewsTalkRadio.com. Okay, Dr. Mordechai Ben Menachem, uh, you want to go into the power of fury? Continues. No, no, continues. No, well, let's go to the Cold War. All right. Wall Street question. Okay, so remember, people, that before, after World War One and before World War Two, there was not a, a state of calm. Remember the um, the um, uh, uh, how do you say it? the uh, chief of the French military at, at the Versailles Conference said that the Versailles Treaty was not a peace treaty but a ceasefire treaty for 20 years. And he was exactly right. The, the ceasefire lasted from 1919 to 1939, exactly 20 years. But it wasn't a, a universal ceasefire. There were many, many wars all around the world. Everybody knows about the Spanish Civil War, but of course there were, uh, there were uh, tens and tens and tens of wars all over the world. And the same thing we're seeing today. When we look at wars today, we see, of course, Russia and Ukraine. We see Israel and Gaza. We see Israel and Lebanon. Turkey and Kurdistan, the Turks are have just killed uh, 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 hundreds of, or, or even thousands of Kurds, and of course the unmen at the United Nations don't bother to, to talk about that. We see the unrest in the Red Sea. We see northern uh, northern so South America with the uh, budding war between Venezuela and its neighbor. The Houthis are effectively blockading Egypt, closing the Suez Canal. U.S. is stationing troops for the first time in history in, Fried in Finland and Sweden and Denmark. Unprecedented. A ship was attacked near the coast of India by a drone launched from Iran. Not by a proxy, but by Iran itself. And Iran and India have good relations. 
and yet they, they Iran attacked an Indian ship off the coast of India. Yeah, um, uh, the ship was bound from Saudi Arabia for Pakistan. Uh, 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 and then they announced that that this attack punishes Israel somehow. I don't understand the logic of that, but okay, that's okay. Iran and and Houthis are basically pirates. I mean, you know, in a, a few few a few dozen years ago or something, they would have been hung as pirates. That was that, that's that, that's what international law talks about. So together, Iran is. Attempting to control the Straits of Babel Mandab and the Strait of Hormuz, both choke points that uh, are very important for world trade, for for um, uh, uh, energy. Um, if Iran managed to succeed with controlling both of these both of these choke points, they will have control of forty five percent of world energy flows. Forty five percent, basically. If they succeed in doing that, the United States as a world power is finished because none of its allies, including Japan, for instance, can get energy. This is real power. The world map is setting up for conflicts on every front imaginable except for Antarctica. Antarctica is still kind of calm, but we'll see what happens there. Biden clearly has no idea what's going on, uh, nor nor does his uh, his imitation uh, uh, um, uh, secretary of state. All he really knows how to do is blink. Very appropriately named. You know, at, uh, at the beginning during the during 2023 and 2022, um, uh, 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 while world banks were firing more than 60,000 employees around the world, most of us, in terms of Ukraine, we listened to. Scott Ritter, and we listened to Douglas McGregor, very first-class people, certainly very impressive people. But we now know that everything they said was wrong, everything. Even down to the basic statistics that they give us, they were wrong. Disney is in its 100th year. It just, uh, 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 in 2024, it loses the copyright on Mickey Mouse. We'll see what, how that affects Disney. And just announced that it spent $1 billion on four flops in a row. Putin was welcomed in Saudi Arabia. Biden was not. The U.S. has already lost Saudi Arabia and the United Arab Emirates. They are no longer, they no longer consider themselves allies of the moribund United States. And how is that? What do you mean, how is that? I mean, have they said uh, no no embassies there anymore? No, I mean, what no, what no, were no, their they moves? They haven't done anything overt yet, but they're, they're very obviously no longer um, um, uh, uh, strongly influenced by the United States, nor do they consider themselves to be, um, I don't know how you say it, uh, subservient might be the word, to the United States. Hmm. They clearly are looking to be Let's say, let's call it gently, phrase it gently, much more neutral than they have been for the past 70 years. <clears throat> um, okay. The United States is in danger of losing also Bahrain and Egypt, Jordan, Israel, Oman. All of these countries are looking askance at an American establishment that basically. 
blows wind. And if yeah. I lost you, Dr. Mordechai Ben Menachem. Okay, I'm going to try to get him back. I don't know. All right, you know what? So in the meantime, while we're waiting for him to come back on the air, um, I'm going to share with you some items that I collected for the show to speak about. Uh, here's something. Uh, this is from Ynet News in Israel, and it says here, a report in a Qatari newspaper says... Okay, says... Do, do we have you back, Dr. Mordechai? I never went away. Oh, okay. No, no, we lost you. Let me just read this very quick uh, article in the meantime. It'll just, it's just a paragraph and a half, okay? A report in a Qatari newspaper. An Egyptian delegation visited Tel Aviv in an attempt to reach an agreement to end the war. A waste of time and energy. There was no chance of ending this war without the full surrender of Hamas. Prime Minister Netanyahu, who re- reiterated this last night and that position, is ironclad. He would not be able to face the nation without those, object- uh, those objectives being attained. He and the war cabinet, he repeated over and over again that this is the main ob- objective as well as the release of all the hostages. Without those objectives being met, there is nothing to talk about it. And this is uh, reported by the AS News. I'm not sure what that is. Uh, But those are the two red lines that the Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu are holding down that A, the Hamas has to be completely destroyed and B, all of our hostages need to be returned. All right, go ahead. And I'll remind people that there were four hostages being held before the 7th of October. Some of them have been been held for many years now. Yeah. Uh, Some of them are... Two dead bodies. They won't even give the bodies back. This is what the, what evil entity we are living next to. They won't even let the parents have closure. They will not return the bodies of their sons. Just terrible. All right, go ahead. Okay, uh, I, 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 we'll go down to the next uh, the next subject. Who determines a dumbed down America? So Victor Davis Hanson, as people probably know from me from many times in the past, one of my favorite. Academics, one of my favorite historians. I'm quoting from him. The country for recent years has been cruising on the fumes of prior and likely better, wiser generations and institutions. In 2024, the tab for our current apathy, toxic policies, uh, pardon me, politics, and incompetence will come due. In 2023, it became clear that the U.S. has simply lost or indeed forfeited American deterrence abroad. Our enemies do not fear us, our friends do not trust us, and neutrals do not care either way. Unquote. Victor David Hansen is a very, very smart man. The U.S. has already, already has some 40 million illegal immigrants living inside the United States. And it's rapidly becoming ungovernable if you look at the large cities like New York, Washington, Chicago, Los Angeles, San Francisco, Seattle, uh, Portland, blah, blah, blah. Rather than becoming ungovernable as they suck resources, crime rates skyrocket, and the whole civil situation becomes unmanageable, uncontrollable. This is not random. 
who is bringing these people into the United States? The answer given by the media is always the cartels. But who are the cartels? Who runs, controls, arms, and trains these cartels? The answer is, unfortunately, Hezbollah and Iran. I remind people, Iran declared war on the United States in 1979. The United States ignored them because they figured that they're much too, the, the, the difference in power was so great that it was just the mouth that roared. But Iran now is battling the United States on every front, and Iran is winning. And that's a horrible thing to have to say. The drug trade into the United States is controlled mostly by Hezbollah and Iran. To a significant effect, Iran is actually determining internal U.S. policies. We're all, we're all aware of these of, of paid Iranian agents that are employed within upper echelons of the United States State Department and even defense establishment. And Iran is also bringing in thousands of trained male operatives into the United States via the southern non-border. How as dumb is America now? Somebody seriously needs to question why the Democratic Party desires the destruction of the United States. And I'm not even going to apologize for that statement. Well, maybe the Democratic Party, I, I mean, I don't know, but I'm just saying maybe the Democratic Party is another proxy of, I don't know, Iran, uh, the global elite. I mean, you I know, don't politicians aren't hard to buy off. I don't have any evidence to say that it is not. I would say that it is very, very strange. Okay, because I, I just want to mention that, you know, it's not that difficult to buy a politician. No, it is not. So, I mean... Remember, remember what Al Capone said. You can buy them, but the question is, do they stay bought? <laughs> if you keep them happy. <laughs> maybe, maybe. Remember, we're not talking about just immigrants. 38 people, Americans were killed by Hamas since, since the 7th of October. 38 Americans. What American president would do nothing after 38 Americans were killed. Are you working so hard to drive Russia and China? Mortify, we're losing you. There, there was nothing. That... Why? What's going on? I, I don't know. Maybe it's the internet. I, I don't know what to tell you. Uh, okay, but we, we, we hear you now. Go ahead. Okay. And then we have a caller when United you're ready. States, the United States is totally dependent today on Taiwan a small island nation of 24 million people that's disputed territory. If China takes it, the U.S. is simply dead. No cars, no weapons, no pharmaceuticals, no electricity, no telecom. How long does the United States survive as a country with no electricity, no telecom, no pharmaceuticals, no weapons? All of them are dependent today on semiconductors that come out of Taiwan. Taiwan manufactures today 96% of the um, uh, semiconductor chips used in the United States. Nine, six. So what happens when the United States loses Taiwan? Whatever happens, it's not going to be good. Not at okay. all. Yeah, it's when you, when you dole out your... Uh your resources and or things that you need, you're going to 
paint yourself into a corner is what we're seeing. Um, we do have a caller joining us. We have joining us Tar from the United States. Hi there, Tar. What's your comment or question for us here at Israel News Talk Radio? Uh, uh, I, I just want the people of the, uh, the your listeners to know that uh, not all of the United States uh, feels like our government does, but a big part does, uh, you know, is anti Israel are just apathetic. They don't know. Uh, and it's it's not just our government. Uh, what's being taught in our schools is, is what's not being taught in our schools is, is dumbing down. I mean, it's it's unreal how, how fast America is dumbing down. And all of these immigrants coming in are have better work ethics and uh, many of them better morality than than the children that are growing up in the United States, and and it's terrible. Uh, it's to me, it's it's going to be part of the the plans that uh, Shem has about taking the three major uh, countries of the world: China, Russia, and, and America. They're all three of them are going to are be going to be taken down to allow uh, Israel will be the the, the shining. Uh, country of the world and then they'll allow the Mashiach to come in but uh it's just uh it's just unreal how dumb america is becoming and uh you know yeah the the republicans are uh i mean the democrats are in, in charge right now but i don't see the republicans doing any better you know if they ever get in in, in office and because it's just uh and and i have to blame it so much of it on the christians who have just uh perpetrated their uh, turn-the-other-cheek philosophy and allowing all the, uh, you know, the, the, the whatever, the, the different facts. And uh, I, I remember back when I was in, in college in the 70s, the Islamic, Islamic Brotherhood, and I didn't understand it at all. And that's been going on since, you know, for the last 50, 60 years. And it's just another section of, of American society that's just uh, that's just taking us down. So uh, anyway, there's still some of us that, that love Israel and uh, and support the Jews, uh, but they're getting fewer and fewer, in, you know, in numbers. So. Yeah, we hear that you, and we know that, Tar. Thank, thank you. you. Yeah, thank you for your call, and thank you for pointing it out. We know that there are many Americans— that support Israel. God bless them. But uh, sadly, as you said about the education, the youth of America today, that is the new generation, I've seen they do not value the same things that the older generation of Americans value. They don't value America. They don't value the Constitution. They don't value uh, family values. They look at themselves because they were taught to despise their country and to spot to despise themselves and that, to look at themselves more as global citizens rather than American patriots and and having American values and that's our new generation today so it's it's a different it's going to be a different America that we grew up in that that's what I have to say Dr. Mordechai Ben Menachem do you want to weigh in to what Tar said and thank you for your call Tar Okay. First of all, I thank just you. want to thank him because his, his comments are so tremendously oh relevant. So, and it's very important what he said. I mean, to have the um, uh, uh, have it confirmed from from somebody who's there, um, 
uh, 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 this is a tragedy. There and not Jewish even. <laughs> so, uh, this is a tragedy. I mean, every empire eventually fails, but the American empire is going down very quickly. And that's sort of a very frightening thing to happen. It's sad. Because well, America was a great country. It's a question of, of, of opinion. One can, one can say that it, one, one person is happy, one person is sad, one person is, is complacent, but it's a very dangerous thing to happen. Hmm. And it's going to cost the world enormously. Just as the fall of the Roman Empire cost the world enormously when it fell. When the world fell into a dark ages. And God help us if that happens today with, with, with America. Yeah, you know, they, they used to say when America uh, sneezes, the world catches a cold, right? Wasn't there a saying, something that something akin to that? Did you something ever hear like that? that? I don't remember yeah. what I think it was. So I, I, I thought don't it was think so anymore. when General Motors sneezes, but okay. That's okay, <laughs> I heard America. All right, uh, who determines, oh, we, we did who determines Dumb Down America. Yeah. Okay, I let's do children. Iran's children. Okay, now I warn everybody, this is a very complex, it's short, but it's very complex. Okay, so who are all of the so-called what I'm calling children of Iran, the the various entities around the world that Iran now, in some some sense, controls either completely or partially. So I'm going to read them off. It's a long list and it's very complex. So I'm warning everybody ahead of time. A little bit of concentration, please. I'm sorry. Okay. so first of all, we'll start with Hezbollah. It's a Shia organization based in Lebanon. Uh, directly subservient, uh, a puppet to Iran. Its secondary job is to coordinate between Hamas, Palestinian Islamic Jihad, the drug cartels, and Iran. This is called they, this is called by them the unification of arenas. And notice the addition of the drug cartels. Hamas coordinates between Iran and the drug cartels throughout Latin America. Number two is Syria's. Uh, 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 Syria under Assad. Remember, uh, Syria is divided. It's still not a really a functioning country. So the portion I'm talking about is the portion of that is controlled by Assad. Uh, it's Alawite, which is something somewhat like Shia. It's not really Shia, but it's similar to Shia. It's it's uh, uh, it's an Iranian asset in that ter- in those terms. They, that's how it's considered. It's less valuable and more long term. Because it's a state actor and it can do things that a non-state actor cannot do. And, of course, the opposite is true as well. Non-state can do things that states can't do. The third is the Iraqi militias. There are many, many militias throughout Iraq that are subservient to Iran. Um, the Houthis, of course, that everybody is, aware, uh, is now aware of, uh, 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 based in Yemen. Zaidis, that's a, uh, a subsect of Shia Islam. Utterly ignorant growth herders, but also very, very fierce fighters. Uh, they fought Saudi Arabia and the UAE to a standstill, even though they're, uh, in all appearance, sense, much, much smaller and less than Saudi Arabia and the United Arab Emirates. They created the worst economic and humanitarian crisis imaginable. Yemen today is considered one of the poorest countries in the world. Mostly because of the, of the of the war going on there now for tens of years, I don't remember how long. Palestinian Islamic Jihad, 
Gaza, Sunni, Hamas, Gaza, Sunni. What is fascinating is that Iran publicly claims to have an integrated command and control center for all of these groups. The axis of resistance, another term that they use similar to the unification of arenas. Um, there's more. Iran and Hezbollah to, together control much, perhaps most of the Latin American drug cartels. And are now active much, in much more than just drugs. They're still called drug cartels, but they do much more. They are the leading um, uh, money laundering center in the world today. If, you, if I was to take the time to explain to you some of the methods of money laundering, you'd be amazed. They use very sophisticated methods and some methods that are just so, that appear silly, but they're very effective. They have control today, for instance, of the trade in charcoal, as you use in your grills for your barbecues. They actually control trade, uh, the international trade in charcoal today. It's controlled by Hezbollah. It's an amazing little bit of data that people just aren't aware of. In addition, in addition, uh, 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 they're all based, built on principles of relative operational autonomy, ambiguity, retaliation, and risk distribution. Uh, 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 Hamas is primary responsibility for Palestine. Hezbollah primarily of Lebanon and Syria. Uh, another gentleman that I've quoted frequently, David Goldman, described the Ukrainian war. I quote: "The Biden team is responsible for the grossest blunder." in the checkered history of American foreign policy, attempting to move NATO's boundaries to the Russian-Ukraine border may have been the stupidest act in the sorry drama of American foreign policy and President Biden's declaration on March 26, 2022, that Putin cannot be allowed to remain in power may be the emptiest boast ever by an American leader, unquote. The war with Iran is much, much worse for America than anything Putin could have dreamed of. Again, Americans are not aware of the fact that they are at a war and that the war is big and serious and is costing the American taxpayer already today very heavily many billions of dollars, tens of billions of dollars annually. And this is what I call the children of Iran. Just as I said, it's a very complex subject. It's very broad, and a lot of it is unexpected by people that even people that follow the news. Interesting. The well, I'm just thinking. Interesting. The twists of history. Yes, that that's actually the point here. Yes. All right. Uh, can Who you would have expected 1979 that uh, Iran? would control, basically, many countries in Latin America. They're not Islams. They're not Islamic. They're, they're Catholic. But that has to be effect today. Okay. Okay, our last subject. Our last subject. Can Europe survive itself? Okay. Well, let's talk, start with the subject by talking about a little bit about demography. Subject that I've mentioned before, Italy's population has been actively shrinking since 2014. In other words, the population of Italy, despite the immigration, has been shrinking numerically since 2014. 
even with the immigration of people from North Africa. Europe as a whole is losing population despite its massive influx of uneducated non-workers. Remember, most of these people that are coming in from around the world, they're coming from directly from North Africa, but not all of them are North Africans. Many of them are Syrian, Afghanis, Iranian uh, 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 from the Far East, from China, from all over the place, many, many different places. In parallel, Europe's crime and drug rates are soaring across all nations, with particular emphasis on port cities. The city of Rotterdam, for instance, is one of the crime capitals of Europe today. The port of Rotterdam is the largest port in Europe, and it is also the center of more crime than any place else on the European continent. Italy's fertility rate is now about 1.2 to 1.3. Remember, replacement is 2.11. Italy is the lowest in the OECD. Europe claims a fertility of 1.5, which is well below replacement. But that includes the immigrant populations with disproportional fertility. In other words, Europe is dying out, and even if not, Europeans have crossed the demographic Rubicon. It is no longer clear that the European population can remain European for the next two decades. <coughs> Pardon me. Europeans, even if the Europe, European continent can continue to be populated, Europeans will no longer be the majority of Europe by the year 2100. Italy is giving now, they, they, they've declared what they call pro-natal policies. So a person, so if a couple has, children, has a child, they will award them a grand total of 50 euros for the newborn child. 50 euros. By the way, in some cases, it can go as high as 175, which is still just as silly. That, that, that's going to encourage people to have children? Give them 50 euros, that's, that's less than what it costs to go out to eat one day. <laughs> Are you kidding? That's less than it costs to go out to eat at McDonald's. Said, so that, 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 that's the kind of policies that we're seeing across Europe all over and on almost every European country. Many of them are just ignoring the, the issue and are not looking at it at all. Some of them are attempting to address it. The new uh, leader of, of, of Italy uh, was elected, among other things, for this reason. So far, she's been totally unsuccessful. And that's because, what, she's fighting the swamp in her country, too? I, I think she's just, she has no idea how to really fight. I mean, I think she's a good person. I think she's really trying. But 50, 50 euros for, for a newborn child, how does that affect the, the, the economy of a family? It's not 50 euros, it's not even 50 euros a month, it's one time. Hmm. Okay. We know that historically what brings children into the world is for people to perceive that they have an optimistic future, that their children's lives will be better than their lives were. That's what encourages people to have children. 
That is why, for instance, it, uh, Israel has the highest fertility rate in the OECD, despite being very heavily industrial country and very uh, 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 a very high level of education, which, for most statisticians, that is contradictory. Well, Let we me see draw out an idea that some people thought, hopefully our listeners won't reject it, but most people reject it. When you reject God, God laughs at you. And one of the ways he does that, to show that, is he says, well, okay, you don't really want me. I don't want you either. We don't need, you don't need babies anymore. But remember, even Spain, Italy, Poland, or all Catholic countries, all have phenomenally low fertility rates. Three decades ago, the Catholic countries in Europe had the highest fertility. Today, they have the lowest fertility. This is very interesting. Germany's fertility is 1.4. Again, despite having a million immigrants. So who is actually having those children? Are they the Germans or are they the uh, over, well over a million to a million and a half Muslims that immigrated into Germany? I don't know the answer to that question. Well, we all know the answer to that question. Yeah. I, I just want to say for for the Americans uh, who are listening in or other people from the West, that if you haven't been to Europe and to the Western, at least the Western European countries, I remember when I was there, you, you didn't see children. You saw dogs dressed up in little dog clothes, and you saw young couples Probably they weren't even married. They're just living together, I'm, I'm assuming, uh, because marriage isn't very popular in Europe anymore either, <laughs> at least among the, among the uh, non-Muslim population. And, and that's, that's what we're seeing the results today. Well, let me give you the, per, the perspective on that, on that comment. You're right, obviously. Since October 7th, okay, there have been 57 anti-Semitic incidents per day inside the city of London alone. An average of 57 incidents per day, every day. And anybody who says that anti-Semitism is limited to Jews is simply being foolish. We all know the truth. Anti-Semitism is always what's called the canary in the coal mine. It begins the process, but the process never stops there. Ever. What's the famous saying? First they came for the what? Saturday. No, no, no. First they came for the was it the uh, the communists, and I didn't say anything. And then they came for the I don't know. That was that was a statement made by a German doctor in in nineteen forty five. Do you remember it? Because it's 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 <clears throat> worthwhile giving over to our listeners if you remember the exact uh, um, quote. I don't remember the exact quote, but the, but that's that's the, that's the spirit of it. The uh, first they came for the doctors, and I said nothing because I'm not a doctor. Then they came for the communists, and I did, did nothing because I'm not a communist, etc. 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 And then they came for me, and there was nothing more to do. Yeah, there was nobody to to uh, co- you know speak up for me and to help me. Right? I, I don't remember the exact quote, but yeah. anybody can look it up. Yeah. I'm certain it's on, it's on the internet in a uh, yeah. hundred different places probably. Yeah, should be a lesson. Should be a lesson to us all. We all need to learn. That's more important than anything else. 
<clears throat> Remember the Ukraine war that Biden declared would bankrupt Russia. Russia has made has grown, grown stronger. It now sells oil and gas to China and India. Um, it's it's no longer dependent upon Europe for income. Um, Russian economy is continuing to grow. It grew by seven percent this year. Seven percent. <clears throat> and it's continuing like that. And not only not only just in, 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 in oil and gas, but also in other things like, for instance, um, uh, 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 their um, uh, military economy. Their, Russia is a third the size of the United States in population. And it's still, even after two years, Ru the United States has not managed to begin to produce um, weapons and ammunition in, in, in a reasonable quantity. Russia still um, outproduces America in everything concerning weapons and ammunition. And by the way, I shouldn't say America, I should say the entire West, because even if you take America and Britain and France and Germany and all of the European countries and Australia and Japan, Russia is still outproducing all of them together. And so, I bet the Americans aren't being told this either. No, they're not. But you can look it up. And I, this is this is what I do. I mean, I'm, I know I'm crazy. I do still I do crazy things. But I spend time every week looking up this information because I know that people aren't getting it. Mm -hmm. And I, I'm I don't know. Maybe I'm maybe you know I'm I, I admit I'm kind of weird. But this is kind of thing that I do. Well, it's I, important I information. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, I I want to I want to let everybody know also I I mean are you finished with with this topic yes. you are yes okay so I just want to let everybody know that Israel is I mean I'm speaking now not as a radio show host I'm speaking as a mother with two sons fighting in Gaza with other children who are here fighting and or uh, uh, in in their own way on the home front uh, trying to protect their communities because there are Arabs scattered, you know, a little bit here, a little bit there. And though there's only around, maybe you can fix my my uh, numbers here, Dr. Mordechai ben Menachem, but there's approximately 7 million Jews here and 2 million non-Jews, most of them Arabs. Am I right so far with the statistics? Not, the non-Jews are, are, are mostly Arabs. It's about 16 to 17% of the country are Arabs and uh, there's about 4% that are so-called others. Okay, so the vast majority are Jews. And although you may hear me sometimes showing great concern about what's happening here, I know that we are going to win this war. And why? It's because God told us. The Bible says that in the end of days, Jerusalem is going to be the place where the entire world comes to visit. And uh, so I know we're going to win. The question is, what is the price that we're going to have to pay? But it's not just the Jewish people paying this price. It's going to be everybody. And I'm going to repeat what I say every single show. You're probably tired of hearing this, Dr. Mordechai Ben-Menachem. But they say, first the Saturday people, 
the Jews and then the Sunday people, the the not the non-Muslim world, the 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 Christian world. First, the little Satan, Israel, and then the big Satan, America, and so. We are, as you said, Dr. Mordechai ben Menachem, the canary in the coal mine, in the coal mine, in the coal mine, and you know people should be aware and alert. Don't just go shopping and bowling and 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 shopping online, and you just block everything out because it's too ugly to look at and it's it's not nice. And or you're marching down the streets because your friends are or because there's peer pressure to do so. No, you know, we are I believe we are in a very important part of history right now for the entire world. And everyone is responsible for the way that they're going to be acting right now, the side that they're going to be taking, uh, their actions or lack of actions. You can't run uh, away I think from that's it. That's a very important point that you just made that everyone, everybody is responsible Every single one of us. So uh, share the show with your friends. Share the station because I, I'm not the only show host here. We have amazing, brilliant, talented show hosts here at Israel News Talk Radio who tell it like it is. We are not beholden to anyone. We try to serve God in the best way we can. We are uh, authentic. We uh, try to be as accurate as we can. And we... Uh, I would say, I would, I would dare to say we are God-fearing people and we want the best for all of humanity. We want everybody to live in peace and harmony and prosperity and in service of God and helping each other around the world. As you see, Israel, it's already like ingrained in us. The, the, anytime there's an earthquake or a hurricane, whatever it is, Israel is one of the first countries. Tiny, tiny little Israel. Go look at it on the world map. You can, they can't even write the name of Israel inside the country. We're so small. Okay. 100th smallest country in the world. Thank you for that. And we're out there making field hospitals and delivering babies and 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 operating on on emergency cases and pulling people out of rubble and doing everything we can to help our brothers and sisters around the world, Jewish or not Jewish. This even is our enemies. We still we still Even our enemies. That's right. On the fence in, in the northern country to help people that are, to help Lebanese. This is correct. And, and, and sometimes our enemies are so foolish and hateful that they will reject our help because they hate us so much. They don't even want our help. So what can you do? You try your best, right? But in any case, uh, I just want people to understand that this is a crucial point in history that we're at, and it's incumbent upon everybody to make a stand and to choose your side and to do something, whether it is to go out onto the streets and march against these other people, to write letters to the editor, to send uh, money and supplies to uh, Israel uh, and support, like a lot of our listeners are doing, by the way. They are, they are contacting even me personally. And uh, I don't know if the people want to be named, but I, I'm thanking them uh, on the air. You know who you are, and other people as well. They're doing what they can in order to try to tilt the scales in on the side of good because they want good, and that is the righteous and the proper thing to do. And I, I want to commend you all who are doing that. Last week, a, a, a big group of volunteers came from around the world to uh, manufacture and assemble um, uh, cell phone chargers for the soldiers. Hmm. 
beautiful. And I know that they're coming also to pick some of the produce that's grown in the fields because we don't have a lot of the workers anymore doing that. And we don't want these, this, uh, these, this food to rot in the fields. We want to get it to, to uh, the market, to the people. And uh, there's, there's, there's many, many volunteer jobs that can be done. Uh, but again, not everybody can volunteer. Not, not always is it possible, but you can, you can, again, you can do your part in your own country and or you can support financially uh, the, uh, the, the institutions here in Israel or the soldiers. If you're looking for a place, I can, there's many places, communities of uh, Jews in Israel who are surrounded by Arabs who are on uh, call, expecting, God forbid, an infiltration into their communities, and they need better weapons. They need better uh, helmets. They need bulletproof vests. They need better equipment and gear. And you could actually be saving a life if you cared uh, to donate. If you choose to donate, you can do that. Um, So you can contact me. Not all of these places you can get a uh, U.S. tax write-off, but many of them you can. And whatever I can do to help assist you, if you, if you want to be involved in that, I'm, I'm happy to do so. And on that note, we shall end the show. I want to thank you, Dr. Mordechai Ben-Menachem, for being with us here on uh, the Tamar Yona Show. And thank all of our listeners and supporters from around the world. Thank you, Dr. Mordechai Ben-Menachem. I want you to be safe. And uh, if anyone would like to write in, with a comment or question for Dr. Mordechai Ben Menachem or myself, you can write me at Tamar, T A M A R, at IsraelNewsTalkRadio.com, and I'll forward any emails to Dr. Mordechai Ben Menachem. Thank you, everybody, for being with us. I'll do my best also to answer whenever I can. Wonderful. Thank you. <laughs>